This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. How are you doing? Very well. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Let's start with global stocks as they are at the moment. And they've fallen today. And uh, those US-China tensions have mounted over the last few days following that uh, visit of uh, Speaker Pelosi to Taiwan. Is that what is concerning markets at the moment? There's a bunch of drivers right now. I think that we're starting to see um, how Speaker Pelosi's trip to Taiwan um, is is not going to um, ease those U.S.-China tensions anytime soon. And in fact, um, you know, there's probably growing risks that you know the deglobalization trade is going to to uh, just uh, become more dominant, and and the uh, inflationary pressures um, are probably going to grow. I think you're going to see that. Um, it, you know, both both economies are in slowdown mode, and um, I think you'll you'll probably see um, um, a little bit more of a fallout um, from this visit. Um, but I think that is that's been dominating the headlines. But the the primary catalyst right now, I think, is we're we're getting some pushback from the Fed, and and, and that's probably going to. Uh, lead markets to um, reassess their you know trajectory of interest rates by the fed i think that um you know there was a, a quick rush to anticipate a, a possible fed pivot um, for december um and and now it seems we could still see another you know massive 75 basis point rate increase in september and uh that you know the, the tightening cycle, maybe, yes, it will end at the end of the year. So three more meetings of uh, rate hikes. Um, But I think those calls for rate cuts at some point in the spring um, were probably premature. So I think uh, what we're going to see is the Fed, when they're done tightening, they're probably going to do everything in their power to to keep rates elevated um, before they have to reverse course. And we've also seen, and this has probably affected markets as well, that OPEC plus meeting announcement, which has disappointed many because the adding of 100,000 more barrels per day to the market from September is uh, a bit of a drop in the ocean, isn't it, really? Uh, very much so. I mean, it was the uh, you know smallest increase on record for OPEC plus. Um, it really does not move the needle on helping with the global energy uh, crisis that we're seeing. And, and, and I think you have to understand uh, that even though this is their production target, you know, OPEC plus has not really come close to follow, following up on and delivering those production levels. So it is, uh, it is not going to ease the global supply shortage that we're seeing, um, which, you know, is kind of around 2 million barrels a day. And uh, I, I think what's going to be difficult is uh, you're, you're going to see the, the White House is in a position where um, there's not a lot they can do. They were kind of hoping um, and they were vocal about it, that they thought President Biden's trip to Saudi Arabia um, was was successful and that we were going to see uh, more efforts to help um, ease this supply shortage. And does the slowing economic data that we're seeing, and I think um, uh, the, the first look at manufacturing activity from China, from the Eurozone, from the US was very disappointing. Um, and, and that, you know, falling in contraction territory for uh, Europe was, was, you know, 
eye-catching. And I think what you're going to see is that you're probably um, going to have more calls for that demand destruction, which is going to weigh on crude. And, uh, you know, today was a very busy day. I mean, in addition to the OPEC Plus meeting, we did have the EIA um, crude oil inventory report, which um, I, I think for, for a lot of traders, you know, that was uh, uh, a little bit of a surprise. Um, inventories rose 4.47 million barrels a day. And, and I think that's going to um, lead to, you know, expectations that, okay, well, um, you know, we were anticipating um, a, a little bit of a drawdown here. Um, um, and, and I think what you're going to see is, you know, the, the demand for crude is, is, is weakening. And then I think that you're probably um, going to see that oil is, is going to struggle to um, really recapture that $100 level until we start to see um, a better better demand outlook um, for with that EIA report. Um, you know, we're, we're still in the, you know, the, we're still in the, the summer travel season where uh, it's surprising that gasoline demand fell by 7.6%. Um, um, so, so I think that you're, you're starting to see um, and, and U.S. production is, you know, remains steady and, uh, you know, it has been climbing. So, um, you know, this market's slowly working its way to balance. And I think that's really kind of um, going to uh, make the oil trade a volatile one. And, and right now you're probably going to see a lot of investors here are, you know, buying oil on dips has worked out nicely, um, you know, ever since prices turned negative, um, you know, just a couple of years ago. So I think you're, you're going to see that markets are going to, um, kind of now shy away from um, buying every dip because we're, we're, we're really starting to notice the, the demand destruction. And um, even though this oil market is is still in deficit, um, I, I think you're, you're, you're probably going to see that uh, trading ranges will probably form here. And, and I think, you know, WTI should still see some good support around $90. Um, but right now, this is, a, this is a market that's really still focused on global recessionary fears. And until we get beyond that, uh, this is going to be a choppy ride for oil. And nonetheless, uh, the decision by OPEC Plus is going to be a blow, isn't it, to leaders who wanted production to be ramped up. You mentioned President Biden's trip to Saudi Arabia, where he uh, was uh, in, in that photograph taken uh, shaking hands with Mohammed bin Salman. Controversial picture. Uh, he, he put himself on the line there, uh, Joe Biden. It hasn't really paid off. So um, he, he will be very disappointed uh, with, uh, it's not just Saudi Arabia, obviously, we've got Russia as well, a big player in OPEC Plus and, uh, and all the others. But um, th that, that, is, that was the point of his trip, wasn't it, to uh, Saudi, to try and get the, uh, the, the numbers up, and it hasn't paid off. And the White House has defended. That was you know, not the whole agenda. That was one small part of it. And, and I think that trying to restore the you know, U.S.-Saudi relations was you know, the primary goal. And you'll, you'll probably see that um, you know, this is going to be a complicated relationship, uh, as most are. <laughs> and and you'll, I think the, the expectation is that um, you know, OPEC Plus, they, they're seeing all the same data we are. They're, 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 you know, they, they've been uh, trying to capture as much you know, profit from, uh, you know, the, the global economic recovery. But now we're, it's clearly that the market's in slowdown mode. And what they don't want to do is be caught with uh, um, over delivering on production as, as right now we're, you know, there's still no end in sight as far as, you know, how much of a slowdown we're going to see globally. So I think uh, um, while energy traders um, 
will will say they're they're a little bit surprised on the decision. I think you know the world is weakening right now, so I think this expectation that uh, we're not really going to see oil prices surge significantly in, until uh, you know the demand outlook improves. And right now, it, it just seems that most of the data points are suggesting weakness um, for that. And, and I think there's there's probably good reason to to be a little bit more cautious as far as um, over flooding the market with supplies right now. And uh, I think that's kind of the mentality OPEC plus has, um, you know, they're, yes, they're, they haven't delivered on their quotas and, and yes, this, you know, there's about 2 million barrels per day of shortage that we see. Um, but uh, I think OPEC plus is concerned that um, if you ramp up production um, and we really see uh, a significant slowdown, you know, you're, you're going to be over flooding the market, you know, by the end of the year. Going back to the tensions between the U.S. and uh, China Ed, over Taiwan, I mean, the timing of this is visit by Nancy Pelosi is curious when you consider what's going on in Ukraine with the uh, continuing uh, Russian invasion. It seems that the United States is willing to take on all sides at the moment, which, bearing in mind the economic strife we're all in, is curious. The, the trip, it, it did you know, catch a lot of people by surprise, I think, um, more importantly, the White House. Um, but, but, but for, for, you know, what I think Pelosi um, was trying to achieve, um, um, you know, if you take a look at, you know, what's happening with Democrats, um, you know, they're, they're heading into midterm elections with no momentum whatsoever. Uh, and um, I think that you, you're, you're going to see that um, there has not been a real hard stance taken against China. Uh, and uh, you're probably going to see that, you know, a lot of this was politically d- driven to control the messaging as we head into midterms because, you know, the you know, U.S. economy is is, is uh, working its way towards a recession. I think there's still a good chance that will happen early next year. Democrats are looking, you know, at November and saying, wow, we, you know, they could lose um, a lot of seats, and that you know, I, I think you're 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 seeing that um, that's why you saw Senator Manchin pivot. That's why, um, and you were, I think a lot of us were stunned that you know that they were able able to make some progress on pushing through um, some deals here. And, and and I think that this is a this is a time when the politics are going to um, really I think uh, dictate where we are. I, I think you know, for as far as what we're going to see as a reaction from um, from China is is mostly um, yes they'll be doing more military drills uh, but um, you know still the, the markets are not anticipating a, a military conflict here I think there's there's uh, going to be more um, focus on on how multinationals are going to be able to do business how the supply chain situation is going to probably worsen um so so i think this is a this is a very difficult um environment um to to um to choose winners right now especially the on the multinational side of things and i think you know we're 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 seeing uh you know you know too much of the world's semiconductors come from taiwan and i think you know that's that's what is uh really going to be the focal point um uh beijing is going to punish Taiwan. So I think, uh, you know, the, the inflationary pressures are, are just going to worsen. So um, while this trip will will show, 
you know, that Democrats are taking a, a harder stance against China, I think that you're probably going to see this is just going to feed into inflationary pressures, which will probably, um, you know, end up uh, being a little bit more troubling for the economy. And it's also a troubled period for crypto as well, uh, Ed. And uh, we've seen today the CEO of MicroStrategy has stepped down after a $1 billion crypto loss. Uh, another blow to that sector. Very much so. I think MicroStrategy's earnings, um, you know, everyone knew they were going to be bad. Sailor's decision to step down as CEO, and, and he still will be the chairman, and I'm sure he'll still be the, the key voice of the company. Uh, it, it's pretty clear that uh, you know, they, they, they've not been able to capitalize on, you know, they're, they're, they're big bet on Bitcoin. Um, they, they, they started to get in during the summer of 2020. So um, if, if, you're, if you're buying closer to the 10,000, 15,000 level, and then you see prices skyrocket, and unfortunately, um, you, know, you, you, know, you, you have a fiduciary duty to your, your clients, to your shareholders, that you, 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 you need to be able to uh, capitalize on, on, on that big run up. And, and uh, you know, after almost hitting 70,000, um, it's been pretty much um, a steady decline and, and uh, uh, that's inexcusable. So I think that uh, you, you're, you're, you're gonna see that MicroStrategy is, um, you know, they're all in on crypto. I mean, that was, uh, their, their, their business was struggling. I think crypto kind of saved them. Um, but now you're gonna see that, I think the pressure is gonna be on them to show that they can um, capitalize when, when crypto does move in their favor. And, and this is a, a very difficult period for the crypto markets as you've seen too much um, economic pain for all the institutional retail investors that got started last year, which was the, kind of the peak of the, the of this movement. Uh, and, and, and now the crypto winter uh, might be um, ending. I think markets have been digesting, you know, are we still seeing bear market rallies here in equities? Crypto has been, you know, steadying here. I mean, it's still, uh, still above 20,000. Um, so those calls for 14,000, 10,000 have not come to uh, realization just yet, and, and I think that there has been an exhaustion in that selling. So we'll we'll see if crypto can continue to stabilize here. And uh, um, you know, for companies like MicroStrategy, uh, th this has been a very difficult environment. And then I think that you'll see that they put um, all their chips on on, on crypto, and uh, you'll see that um, if um, they're able to get out of this crypto winter, um, you know, then, you know, the, the company will, will definitely prosper. But right now this is a, this is a difficult time. They're, they, they have, um, you know, they're, I think, you know, a month ago, everyone was talking about their margin calls. And while that margin call would have been on a small portion of their crypto investment, uh, you know, the, you know, it would lead to lost confidence. And, and I think right now, if you're a new investor, if you're someone who's just trying to get 1% of your portfolio exposure into crypto, MicroStrategy, at one point, that looked like you know a good way of doing it. Now, I not so much the case. So it'll be interesting to see interesting to see how MicroStrategy um, performs from here on out. Okay, Ed. Before we let you go, of course, we've got two big moments uh, coming up the rest of the week. Bank of England with its interest rate rise announcement tomorrow here in the UK, and non-farm payroll in the United States on Friday. 
Very much so. So, uh, you know, inflation, I, I think you would agree, uh, it's been pretty painful. Uh, hitting a 40-year high, 9.4%, uh, that's pretty in, in uh who would have thought that? Um, anyway, well, food and energy prices really just, they're, they're skyrocketing. Um, so that's keeping the pressure on the BOE. I, I think, you know, this is, they're, they're poised to deliver, you know, the biggest rate hike in 27 years. So I think the, the, the market is very uh, much uh, focused in on that. And I think that uh, you, you, you'll see though, while this is going to be a very, very, um, uh, it's expected to be a massive increase in rates, Further rate hikes, that's where markets are starting to price in a little bit uh, uh, less aggressive call. So I think, uh, you know, the peak bank rate, um, you know, it might initially, I think people were thinking it was going to go three and a half percent. Now it's like below three percent. So I think uh, we'll see. We'll pay close attention to that um, BOE rate decision. And uh, that's definitely um you know, one of the the big events of the week, and then the other one, uh, non-farm payroll. We're 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 going to continue to see a little bit more of a slower pace in hiring. Uh, U.S. economy, it's I mean, it's still still performing pretty well. I mean, uh, the jolts number was down this week. Um, that was a little bit of a um, kind of a, a red flag that okay, we're you know we're I mean, it's still you know if if someone wants to find the job, they there there's still a very good chance that they could in this economy. And um, but I think what we're going to see is the labor market is cooling. Um, and 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 for for investors, you know, the the non-farm payroll report is is going to be, um, you know, closely watched. I think I think that you're the the one thing that's very interesting about this report is you know going into it um, um, the uh, survey of expectations uh, you know there there's a the low estimates fifty thousand the high estimates three hundred twenty thousand um, some of the other you know uh, regional surveys um, I, I think you know that there's kind of a uh, I would not be surprised if the whisper number is closer to to um, 120,000 20, or so. So we'll see exactly how the economy performed. But obviously, if we start to see, you know, steady, weaker prints, and eventually they will turn negative, um, you know, then that's probably what will be needed to really um, drive that Fed pivot call. So definitely two big, big events uh, to finish the week. And uh, no, I think, uh, I think we'll see markets are, are going to be zeroed on them. Okay, Ed, thanks very much for joining us this afternoon. We'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. Have a great one. This is the Oanda Podcast.